turning that down is really, really important and turning up, you know, the questions of why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What am I asking myself? What's the point? Why am I using paint? You know, what is the meaning of painting? Why am I taking elements from the earth and putting them on this woven canvas that also is, you know, organic? And why is that important? Guys, this is the Watar. Why are we talking about rabbits? Today, we don't talk about rabbits. Well, we talk about some ideas found by people who surf the internet and think art is one thing. Today, we find out what art is on many levels because we talk to Raisha Perlmutter. Uh, really, one of the top-notch artists working right now in New York City. She buys and sells stuff from San Francisco to Los Angeles, New York, Toronto, you name it. Uh, sells stuff at Christie's, at Sotheby's in New York. Got her MFA at New York Academy of Art. She went to undergraduate at the University of Chicago. Uh, Let's just put it like this. She knows her biz. She also is someone that I've known for a while. And I think you'll appreciate this conversation. On Watar Immersion Series, that's when we try to figure out what it means to go deep, deep, deep into something and lose yourself because that's what we try to do in the field at First Things Foundation. Today, Raisha Perlmutter, artist, painter, extraordinaire, and I think a philosopher. Today on Water. Raisha Perlmutter. So you've come on our Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? I think you know a little bit about First Things. In fact, a lot. We've almost had you come on two or three trips. We're going to do something together because you're this artist that I want well, I want you to talk about your artistry in the context of our work. Thanks for coming on. How you been? I've been good. I'm, I feel like it took me a while to get on here, so I'm happy to finally be on here. You look great. You're sitting there. Where are you tonight? You're in Naples, yeah, Florida? I am. Uh, I'm in Naples. I don't know exactly where I am, but I'm in Naples. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your 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 world as a, as a young painter. Uh What's going on in your world? Tell us about what kind of art you do. It's it's already I told about I, t- I told folks about it in the intro, but I want to hear it in your own words. Oh, so you've already you've already done the intro. Well, as you know, Got the it. magic of the uh, the video, Risha. I'll actually do it after we're done. Oh, I- <laughs> but I was pretending like I'd already done it. Sorry, you didn't mean to blow your cover. I but, will tell. I love this this art, <laughs> this person. So, how would you describe your art, as per your own words? That is. Uh, let me think about how I can answer that question. Um, I would say that. <laughs> I don't know. I would say probably most people would consider me a painter. That's what my background is in, and I think in the past, really since the pandemic happened, and I had some time and stillness to just really go into my thoughts. I think that my art is actually less about just the action of painting and more about um, the necessity to ask questions and that it's beyond just being able to visually convey something that I think it's almost this multi-sensory experience of how it is that we can strip down all the complexities of life. And for me, I think my art has really become about finding a language beyond right now beyond just painting where we have the opportunity to ask questions about ourselves and in turn learn about other people so that there's this connection and it doesn't come i think from 
sort of this hierarchy of uh, of intellect and and sort of art history, as I know that you know, is you know this whole history of of what has been chosen to be valuable yeah. or not, mm-hmm. which is a lot what this project is that we can talk about later that I'm working on. So I think. I don't know. Right now, I think that there's such a need for connection and also humility. And I think art is beyond just painting. I think art is a really incredible mechanism to get us to find our stories and other people's stories. And then I think that through that, um, we begin to have compassion and, and care about things that I think are potentially really important for life. And I tell you, we, uh, I, guys who are out there listening to our pod, I was gifted from Ray and I go back, right? You were a student in the school that I was in part responsible for starting with our beloved friend, Aaron Duffy. Um, so I watched you come up as a type of flaw. As I really, you were a, re- a rebel. <laughs> You're th- not really in action, but in thought. You were an iconoclast in that sense. And now you're talking about art as a means to know thyself. So I was gifted a painting. I have to tell you, it's just one of the best things I have in in our house because there's something, well, tell us about the technical nature of your work. It's, it looks like reality, right? What are you doing with the technical nature? Tell us about what, what happens guys. It, it flatters reality, but it's not reality, right? So I think that idea is really interesting. I think that's a huge part about my work is sort of the philosophy of how we perceive reality. And I've taught, you know, workshops, I've taught students, I've done a couple of things like that. And it's really fascinating when I teach people, I think a lot of people see my work and they immediately think that, you know, it looks like a photograph or there is this sense of capturing reality. Um, And how do you get that, especially if you're painting from life or you're painting from a photo? And I think the part about that that is incredibly fascinating is learning how to paint isn't just a technical feat. I would say more than anything, it's really a philosophical feat of changing everything that you thought was. And something I talk about a lot when I teach is, you know, if if you see an apple and you learned in school and this idea that your apple is red and you have this idea of red and this is red and you have your tube of red paint that that's just this idea that you've been taught, but to really paint the apple to feel like reality, if the apple's in you know a certain color light, that makes it cool. The apple could technically be purple or blue or green or whatever color it is. So to observe things beyond our judgment, beyond our ideas, and to actually observe things as they are, I would say is the most complicated part um, philosophically uh, about learning how to paint, because it's really about learning how to see, how to see without your judgment in the Do way. Do you think you're seeing something like an eternal reality? In other words, could I see it too? Yeah, I think everybody can see it. I think that the the part about painting that I love, I think more than anything, is that it's this perpetual sense of, humility because you realize that everything that you've been taught about what is, is never that way. Mm. So you're in this perpetual sense of rebirth because you're always observing things with the assumption that you know nothing. And I don't know, I think just that idea is a really beautiful uh, gesture. And I think it keeps you, keeps you humble. And I think it also allows you 
to feel excited about looking at the world and, and learning because you're mm. in every single moment learning. So a lot of your subjects are in water. I know it's not, mm-hmm. it's not all of them. Is it all of your subjects? I don't think so. It's, it's a huge part of what I do. Yeah. Yeah. What are people seeing when they see all this water? How do they receive it? And what do they think of your paintings? But also what is water to you? Cause it's really prevalent. Yeah. So I think a big, in terms of what people see, I think that there is inherent symbolism in water culturally, I think around the world as well. Um, And I can get into that later, you know, whether it's a sense of literal like birth or rebirth, but I think the big thing for water for me is it feels like a mechanism that every single person can connect to. And it goes beyond classes and it goes beyond, I think, having to have an idea of, you know, what the cultural context is of something or the political context. And it, it becomes more universal, which I think is a huge uh, part of what I'm trying to achieve in my work. I also think, um, and that talking about that universality, I think it's also just, you know, one of these fundamental elements of, of life. So it sort of, it strips down all of these narratives and conversations that we have about the meaning of something, which ironically, I feel like can sometimes like take away the power or the meaning of what something is the more that you talk about it. So I think water is this way to sort of ground people and bring everybody sort of to the same playing field. And I think the other part about water that I really like, especially with my subjects, which are almost always women, is that there's a sense of um, freedom, I think, and sort of return to this origin of who we are that I think is really beautiful as an idea. And also, you know, a big part of my work beyond just the painting is me going to places, meeting my subjects of people that, you know, inspire the works and trying to create a place for them to have this moment. So it's not just me painting them in my studio, but it's me photographing them in water. And I think watching these transformations that happen in the water where you literally, or I witness people just, in this total sense of relinquishing of control. And I think that that is one of the most remarkable things that I see over and over again. It's moving into this place of trust and knowing that everything that is supposed to be and everything that, you know, we are as people, as humans is perfect in that moment. So so is the shoot like a therapy? I think so. I think it's, it's like a therapy. It's like a meditation. It's uh it's a huge, huge part of uh, the the work and the process. Right, because you take it away and paint it, but yeah. you're doing a whole day or weekend of shooting these folks and and capturing them in yeah. water. And I think there's so many elements of that that are really about, you know, I sent you that trailer earlier, but um, we'll I use think it. So. In fact, Jeremy, <laughs> you can show some of it over how we're while we're talking because it's it's gorgeous. But go ahead. Um, but there's a big element, I think, for me in my life right now and also in my work of, I think, going into places of the unknown, I think, in terms of intellect, in terms of security of, of life and decision making and and really moving into this place of, of trust and faith and that maybe, you know, that's where the art comes from. So, you know, in a literal way for the project I'm working on right now, I was in the middle of the Yucatan um, in these water caves are called cenotes. And we were in the middle of the jungle shooting and these places that look like they were from, I mean, they're so beautiful. It's so incredible that these places exist. And 
you know, I was working with this woman who, in my opinion, has a pretty incredible story about this idea of visibility and how she hasn't really been seen or been able to connect with a society that doesn't maybe deem her as part of it. Um, mm. So you know, there's this really heavy, important conversation that's happening. And, and to witness, you know, her just feeling like she's completely connected with this place and, and herself um, and also trusting me, but more than anything, I think trusting just the landscape and where we were in that moment. Is, Are you trying to get her comfortable so that her, her desire for, for that piece, is it supposed to bleed into the, into the paint? I mean, is that. Would you, I think it's would, about, yeah, it's about that. It's also about this sense with water for me. That's really, really important is that there's an ambiguous moment between um, where we end and where the rest of the world mm. begins. And that's super, super, super important in my work. I think as a as a society, we grow up learning that, you know, we are individuals that exist independently of everything else in the world. And I would say in a technical way, learning how to paint, you realize that everything is interconnected. That's right. And everything yeah. is dependent on everything else. So there are no isolated objects or moments in painting. Everything is has dependency on everything else. And I think water is a really incredible way to not only visually see that as an artist, but to have the subject experience that, you know, physically and spiritually. But, but fundamentally, I'll say this, you, <laughs> you guys got to check out her work Well, you're seeing it in some of it now while we're, while we're talking. Water's also not easy to paint sister. Like it feels difficult anyway. Tell us about that part. Well, I think I like it. It's different every time you paint it. So for me, what I really don't like is the idea of having a formula, like feeling like I figured it out. That is not oh, okay. my objective. And I like water because it's always changing. It's always moving. And it, you know, the light, the color, everything is always dependent on every single moment. So I never feel like I get the formula to painting water because it doesn't exist. What's the benefit of not having a formula? Is there some sort of freedom in that? Yeah, I think I, I feel like I'm always learning. There's no sense of mm. stasis, I guess. Mm. That's good. But maybe Is that's it... just me. I don't like to, <laughs> maybe I should learn to, it's not about stillness though. I think it's about also, I hate to use this word, but I don't like the idea of complacency when, and I think that there's something that goes along with, I don't know, ego where you feel like you mastered it and then you just are complacent. That. Is not uh that's a beautiful idea. Let me ask you something. Do you feel at odds? I'm not gonna ask you how old you are. I tend to 32. Know. I have no 32. issue. With, yeah. Do you feel at odds with the 30-something culture that you're immersed in? This is a type of immersion series. I want to talk about water some more in a second. You're in this world of 30-somethings. You're living in New York now, right? Mm -hmm. These concepts you're talking about, they're 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 pretty profound. On some level, they're uh, you know me, I like to talk about the eternal. They're definitely not readily presented on the internet. Are you at odds at all with the culture around you because of this kind of painting endeavor, this this art? Yeah. And I, I do feel like I am. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the inherent immediacy that 
happens with social media and the internet and this sort of like fixed thing that we get, like we need to see content and it needs to happen quickly and it needs to, you know, be exciting and keep our attention and swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah. And I, I understand that as a phenomenon as you know, how, the, how we work as humans, but I think the irony or maybe the part that's difficult is the nature of what I do is the exact opposite. You know, there's a sense of, of time, and of, of also isolation, you know, what I do is pretty isolated. And so I spend so much time in this place of quiet, long periods of time without talking to people. So it, it does feel slightly like antithetical to, you know, log on to Instagram or whatever, and try to share, try to sum up these experiences in like a snappy sort of video. So, yeah, I do feel like that's difficult. <laughs> Who embraces your work right now? I mean, is there a, is there a category of person? Is it a, you know, I, is there, is it young people, old people? Is it, is it, are there racial di- sort of categories for who's embracing it? Who do you find? Is there a type or not really? It doesn't really seem like it. I do think that maybe women tend to gravitate towards my work in a different way than men do. Um I think there's a really interesting uh, conversation about sort of objectification of women and how maybe men would see my paintings differently than women would. And women would see them as potentially the sense of, you know, self-empowerment and liberation where men might see them as like beautiful nudes in the water. So I actually am really fascinated by um, how people perceive my work versus offended by it. Um, Can I give you my take? Yeah. 50-year-old dude trying to figure life out, very happy to look at women. My wife won't be mad at that. She knows me already. Um, Look. And then I don't see any of that in your painting. When I see women depicted, it was done in a way that I would call very old world. It's nudity, Mm -hmm. but it's... And it's also not cheesy naturalistic. It's not like, you know... You're not trying to demonstrate a woman as powerful or something, the power nude. No. There's something else going on. It's it's almost like, um, I don't know, it feels like a woman as, as encompassed in their natural space. Yeah. There's something natural about it, but not, you know how there's like an aggressive naturality of in, in, in society right now, like, I will not shave. I will not. Uh, I will live in woods or something. It's not that. Yeah. It's not that. It's not that. It's something else. Is, am I? Is that? That's that's a man's yeah. reaction. No, I I agree. I think the fascinating part about hearing, and even myself too, but that you know people I think perceive not just my work. I think any artwork with their own lens of how they see the world. Mm. So. I think it's really interesting, you know, when people tell me what they think about it, because it often for me feels more like a reflection on how they perceive women or the world versus what what I don't think you can say this is objectively what is here. It's all mm-hmm. through the lens that, mm-hmm. you know, you see it. So I don't know. I'm always very fascinated. I would say that your synopsis of my work is very close to what it is that I'm trying to convey. And it feels actually the closest to, I think, what the experience is, which is fascinating but <laughs> i gotta tell you this is a question i want to ask because you're an accomplished artist and i think about this a lot so i think it was emily wa i'm not positive 
forgive me if I'm quoting the wrong person. It might be Emily Bronte. I was a writer in the turn of the century. I can't remember. Uh, but people were complaining. She was brilliant. I can't just wish I could. I should really have thought about this before. But she's brilliant. She's writing her novels. Her novels have twists and turns, but fundamentally they're philosophical. And where a reporter asks her, everyone loves your books, but what are they supposed to mean? So here's mm -hmm. my and her answer was, I don't know, man. I just write the books. You tell me what they what you think they mean. And what you, she was trying to say, and I'm not going to give you the answer. So here's my question for you as an artist. When you see people who give you something like an answer to what it means, but it's like way off. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. It's not off from what's true or good, but it's just off from your conveyance. Mm -hmm. What happens to you? Are you, are you uniquely inspired? Well, that's what I'm personally trying to work on right now. Like I'm doing a lot of right? so, right? <laughs> work around trying to not be critical, I think, of that. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I mean, I, yeah. So I'm trying to do that. And I think in all aspects of my life, I find that maybe it's part of human nature to say, you know, you are different from me and you are wrong and I am right. Or right. there's, right. you know, always this polarity uh, and this opinion. And I'm just trying to understand that maybe, um, maybe it's just, you know, we all have our own lenses and that there's no right, I guess, or wrong of interpretation of what that is. I'm I'm struggling to do that. I know that sounds like I'm a judgmental Ooh. person. Maybe I, I am. Um, but I think that that's the part, right? That you just have to put it out there, especially as an artist, you put your work out there and you, you got to just be okay with it. I think another thing that I'm working on right now personally is this idea of sort of everything being um memorialized on on the internet like every everything that you say everything that you post and it's like i don't know i i sometimes i wonder what, what my life would look like or what life would look like if it was 20 years ago mm. and we could just freely express ourselves without the fear of potentially doing one wrong move and then having it be there forever. And oh, I find that wow. there is this fear that um, is real. I think for so many people of trying to, you know, authentically be yourself, but having this fear that if you say the wrong thing, you're screwed for the rest of your life and the rest of your career. And I, I feel you that sense it, you have a sense of that. Yeah. I think everybody has to. And I think if you That's don't. So interesting to me, but I feel it too. I feel it as a founder and director of our organization. I got to watch out. You know, uh, we're dealing with a lot of white people dealing with a lot of black people in Africa. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like things, bombs you can step on, but yeah. I didn't know you might feel that as a 32 no, year old, this beautiful artist living in New York city. It seems like you could flow through the, through the cracks of the internet, but not, not, not no. always. No, it doesn't. I mean, everything, I think the other thing is everything that anybody posts, I can speak for myself, anything that I post or anything that I share always has people's opinion and feedback. So yeah. maybe part of the struggle is how can I be in a place where I'm totally willing to put out whatever it is that I want to share in an authentic way without being fearful of, you know, right. what the, potential backlash or, or conversation will be. And I think that's also very difficult. How are you doing? You said it's tough. Like what makes it? Huh? Well, people are buying your painting sister. Like that's yeah. a thing. Now, how does that feel? It feels great. I mean, I take in sort of a step back from um, social media. And I think also I reached a point maybe like a year or so ago where 
I realized that painting for me isn't like this phenomenon of, you know, technically putting together this thing and everybody saying, wow, you're a great painter on Instagram, um, which I do see a lot of videos like that. I, I get it. I, I agree. I think painting is amazing when people do it. But sure. for me, it's much more about the meditation and being totally isolated. So having a camera or my iPhone, you know, right there next to me completely destroys, I think, the love that I have for what painting means. So I struggled and I still do, you know, I, I want to, I want to share that with people, but it it's this weird like thing where I, I feel like I can't be completely dedicated. It's like a meditation, right? Like how yeah. can I be in it when I feel like I have all these eyes and I'm trying to be this thing. So wow. it's challenging. So we interviewed uh, an artist, Arthur Kwan Lee in 2019. He won it's the Greenstein Foundation, I think, uh, Soho Artist of the Year. And, Greenshields? Uh, Elizabeth Greenshields? Say again? No. Elizabeth Greenshields? Maybe that, not. That's it. And he was top of the, whatever that Soho, whatever that world is. I don't know it. I interviewed him, though. Hmm. Um, he's a Korean guy uh, who was brought up in various, uh, a Korean Protestant Christianity. He never, he, he painted about that, but it wasn't just, as you know, art is about many layered. Mm -hmm. And he answered some questions in a way in 2019 and 20 that people didn't like. And go check his interview. We did it about, about a month ago. He really got slammed. He Does this really, go on Google? What's that? Is this going on the internet, this interview? It's going on the interwebs, yeah. But you haven't said anything. I mean... Oh, I know. I, it's so funny. I have so much fear around it. Well, I, I'll say this. There's nothing to fear, man. Your your work is it's exceptional. It's technically incredible. And you're not saying anything crazy. You're just saying what I think most people know. Don't you? The Internet is it's that way. Whatever political spectrum you're on, left or right, you're going to someone's coming at you. I agree with you. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do. But it was just interesting because he shared his experience and it's not, you're, you're, you're saying true things. I think at least from his experience, he's still painting. He's an interesting character. Did uh, you take the, did you take the video down? I left it up. No, it's up. <laughs> now he wasn't canceled because of what he said on our show. I just want to make that clear. He, but he said something. Yeah. He went through the, I don't want to call it cancel. I really don't know enough about it. He went through the difficult period after he had already been celebrated. And our interview was about how he's recovering after sort of that difficult period. Uh, yeah. 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 No, it's, you say the wrong thing and you're in big trouble. It's interesting though, because you're an artist, you have to show, you have to share. I mean, it's a gift. Um, people should keep that in mind when they make comments about people's art. That's what I think. You're sharing. I think everything is so visible now. Every, I mean, people share every aspect of their life, every moment of their day. I, not that it's right or wrong, but I think there is this compulsion to feel like everything I'm doing is super important. I think that's what social media teaches you. And it also, and it also teaches you that, you know, you have to be this unattainable perfection and everything in your life has to be 
like peachy all the time. Mm. And I, I think it's, I think it's really problematic. I think that people are really disassociating from reality because there's just like this impossible way to live your life like that. And I think it also keeps us from being present in the moment. So I think for me, not, you know, not documenting every aspect of my work and sitting in front of my paintings anymore, like taking a picture or showing each stage of my work has honestly been like a life-saving thing for me because it's made me fall in love with painting again and ask myself all the questions, which is why I wanted to be a painter anyways. And it's not about having everybody say, you know, you're pretty or your painting is pretty or you're an amazing painter. You painted that so fast. I think that that's the sort of you know, this immediate gratification that we have. And it comes from a place, at least I can speak for myself. Uh, it comes from a place of insecurity and it's insatiable. Like you can never have enough of it. And um, I think sort of turning that down is really, really important and turning up, you know, the questions of why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What am I asking myself? What's the point? Why am I using paint? You know, what is the meaning of painting? Why am I taking elements from the earth and putting them on this woven canvas that also is, so you know, good. organic. And why is that important? Not yeah. why, why is it, why do I feel the desire to have other people love me? And that's something I've thought a lot about. Well, take a shot at it with me. Why <laughs> is putting mineral reality on a can? Why is it important? So many of us can't identify with that, but make us help us identify. What is it? I think it's the sense of sort of tangibility or the intangible, you know, like you have this idea in your mind of, of conveying light or conveying something and you just have this blank canvas. And I think that is really exciting, but I think beyond that, I don't know if this is a random fun fact about me. I love geology. I've always, if I could have done anything else, I would have been a geologist. That's but, a fun I mean, fact. I did not know that. Yeah, no, I have, I've, geology. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the idea of like plate tectonics and just how the earth comes together and is in dynamic motion at all points of time is is so fascinating for so many reasons. So, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but I do think that really feeds into my love of painting this idea that A, it feels timeless. Like some of the pigments that I use are the same pigments that people used a thousand years ago. I mean, you can still go to Siena in Italy and take the sienna from the, wow. the ground dirt and that's, and it, you put it with oil, linseed oil, which is just flax, you know, and, and you're painting with, with the earth. And I think that that feels so good. I mean, I don't know what the right adjective is, but it feels so good in a world where I feel like it's completely dominated by digital, you know, yeah. immediacy. It feels like I'm connecting with a lineage of something that's bigger and longer and, and so when you ask, why does it feel you know important that I do that? I, I think I've thought about this a lot. It's, it's this also strange thing where it feels important to me because it feels like maybe my purpose or if I have a purpose is not even about me. It's just that I'm part of something that's so much bigger than me. And, you know, I live, I die. I think it's, it's humbling and that you're just like one more person putting, you know, your hand on the cave, just trying to figure it all out. And I think there's something really great about limiting myself to the same things, you know, more or less that people used, you know, so long ago before uh, we had tradition. everything else. Yeah. yeah the, the, wow. The lineage, the great narrative of art. Hey, let's take a break. Cause I want to ask you where some of these ideas come from. Maybe you give us a little and ask you about spirit. 
and okay. maybe your spiritual history. But let's take a break for a second on Watan. <laughs> this is John exhorting you to head on down to Key West, to Pines and Palms Resort, a magical place where you can taste the wind and listen to the stars. Nestled deep in the Florida Keys, Pines and Palms Resort is a dream come to life. Dancing with the fish, wading in the Emerald Sea. All of this location, and I was just there, trust me. All of the things happening at Pines and Palms, boating, fishing, the oceanfront cottages, all of it, it puts you in a place of comfort. Deep, profound peace. Check out Pines and Palms Resort of Isla Morada. That's right. You can find it there at www.pinesandpalms.com. Check them out. Reserve your room and listen carefully because soon I'll be talking about Pines and Palms as a destination for one of our very cool First Things Foundation activities in 2023. Pines and Palms, a resort of Key West. All right, we're back. Here's the thing. I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I love artists, writers, but painters I'm learning about, my my godson is a really, really accomplished iconographer. There's always a spiritual element. Now, don't get me wrong. Not every artist calls it that. Maybe they don't like the word spirit or religion or whatever, but there's something informing them that seems like eternal or big or like you just said. What are what's your background that way? What what do you think is true? Like what what do you what do you did did religion inform you? Did spiritualism inform what what informed your art or what is informing your art? Um okay. Well, I think the idea of not knowing the all the things that are bigger and and observing is a huge thing for my work. And it just seems, I don't, whatever it is that you want to call it, whether it's God or spirit, um, that there's just something bigger out there. And I think it's about, you know, something I also fear talking about. I think there's a lot of backlash, but it's a really big word is the idea of beauty and how that sort of corresponds to, to maybe spirit or God. And, and to watch sort of the unfolding of all the beauty around us is something that, um, I think is sort of directly corresponds with my work. I think the more that I work, the more that I paint, the more I go into this place of observing it. And the more I observe it, the more I want to, I want to communicate it. So I think also, you know, my work has a lot to do with um, sort of leaving uh, all of these, all these things that I think feel very stressful in life, you know, like money and jobs, whatever. And I think, I, I sort of disassociate from being in New York city. I go to these really remote places and, you know, there's a moment I think that I've had since I was a little kid where I feel like I go underwater and I hold my breath and I just sort of connect with everything. I, and there's a sense of silence and there's also this sense of, um, it's like terrifying too, you know, that you're on the, you can push yourself to the brink of death and you realize how just with one breath and you realize how fragile everything is and how beautiful everything is. And I think that's something that I have had before, you know, I was even painting. I think I've had that since I was 
since I can remember, I think probably growing up in Florida had a lot to do with it, but I think I wonder about that Florida yeah, like isolating myself, being in nature. I mean, I, I remember being little, just watching the weather here and being so fa- and watching the raindrops, you know, hit the water and the storms would come in and you just see that you're such, at least I feel like when I am in that place, um, I'm such a minute, but integral part of this whole huge thing that's happening around me that's in dynamic motion. And I feel like that comes from a sense, I mean, for me, it all comes from, you can call it whatever you want. It comes from love. It is that like that is embodied everywhere around you. And that is how it feels to me. So I think a lot of my work feels like that. It feels like trying to capture that. Well, your, your project you're working on right now, loosely titled in, 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 it's a talk about the invisible. Mm-hmm. I think for many people, invisible implies not real or something. And yeah, there's this whole world that's real, man, but it's not tangible. And I think your that beautiful answer was like, I'm tapping into that on some level. I'm always fascinated in individual artists who find success, but not just success, but who find a real a professional way of being, you know, like they, they know what they're doing and they have a theory of art. I'm always interested where it came from. It's gotta be your parents on some level offering this to you. It's gotta be. Yeah. I mean, I grew up not watching whether it's right or wrong. Um, You know, I never watched TV as a kid. I was always outside. So I was climbing tree. I was always outside. Mm. So, and I think it also is just, who I am, but I was always and continue to just be fascinated by really simple things that I think maybe a lot of kids are, but we are taught not to take the time to look. And, you know, just the simplest thing of watching, you know, light move on a, on a branch on a tree or the shadows that leaves make, or the light that bounces off of water. It's so, it's so beautiful and it's so important. And I think we're searching um, for things outside of ourselves, but that it's all right in front of us all the time. So the truth is, I don't feel, I feel like the struggle for me would be, how can I find that, you know, living in New York and not having to go somewhere else to experience that, which is my own thing. You know, I want to ask you in a second, uh, a hero question or about maybe people in the art world who you respect. But before I do, will you help me with something or maybe not help me, but you know, in our work, we send people to live for two years in totally different types of environments. And we call the first part of their work. So they go for two years, Peace Corps style. And then they live in places like Mozambique, Sierra Leone, Guatemala with the Mayans. And we learn the local language and we live very, very simply mud huts, whatever. So we call the first six to eight months of our time immersion. So you Mm -hmm. you just gave me this image of sitting underwater well it's the same image we use in training what we say is you're going to dive into a place that from the top from where you're standing looks dark and once you go underwater you're going to be in a in an environment that you don't recognize and Mm -hmm. it's gonna it's if you stay you got to stay if you stay underwater what will happen is and you adjust your eyes like your work sister it makes me think of your work you'll start to realize that the environment underwater is not is not impossible. And in fact, it's inviting, but you got to stay. So we ask our guys to stay for two years. And what happens is, is, well, the goal, and this is your work, I think, on some level, the goal is to 
learn to breathe, stay and participate in a place that you were afraid of. And once you do, then you've not only added an entire environment. Think about it's like the invisible world. Now the invisible world is visible and you can live above the water or below the water. And so our goal is to kind of acquire the invisible. Mm-hmm. But you got to stay. So are there And days- I think find comfort in things that are uncomfortable. That's a huge part of my work. I can feel it when I look at your paintings. I can feel like that sense of having to immerse. So here's the thing. When do you, have there been moments when you, you just want to get up out of that? I can't do this anymore. Like I got to get out of this water. Are there times when it's too much? When when there, it, the art world is hard and you just want to get out from under it or when painting becomes hard? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. I feel sometimes like it's such a, it's such a, I don't even want to say it's personal because of course it's personal, but I think some of the things that I, you know, I ask myself that it's not just me painting a picture and then I sell it and it's fine. I think if I could disassociate from the the process, maybe a little bit more, um, I would feel differently, but I can't. And sometimes I feel like I'm processing such big things in my life and questions about, you know, is there a purpose to even being here or me being here? Or maybe the purpose is not what I thought the purpose was, or maybe this whole belief that, you know, life should be about, you know, finding comfort and, and relaxation is actually the antithesis of what I believe. And, and just, you know, mulling through all these things or in a personal way, you know, I'm 32, I'm not married. I don't have a family. You know, why, why am I doing that? Is my career more important or is it that I want to, you know, really be in my work? It's just big, big questions. So sometimes I feel really personal, even if I'm not they're not directly there. I look at, especially my self-portraits as um, ways of me processing these questions. And yeah, it sucks to put it out there sometimes because then people give you feedback and it's hard not to take it personally. But um, yeah, I think that's sort of part of the nature of, of what being an artist is. You just got to put it out there. Did you study art or did it come to you? And if you did, do you have favorites? Do you have artists that you look up to? Uh Okay, so here's a fun fact about me that you may might not know. You know that I've studied art. You know, I did the whole pretty traditional route. I went to France and I did atelier, whatever, and then I have an MFA. So in a pretty like traditional, well, whatever. I so I yes, I studied you know art. The world. But um, you know, it's funny. I've always loved painting. I still obviously love painters, but as a kid. And in high school, and even now, uh, the most influential artists for me are not painters, they're photojournalists. Really? Yeah. Because I I feel like there's something about a camera, I think, before you go, you know, to Photoshop and you change everything, there's something about a camera that is, um, it's, of course, the way that you see the world, but it feels a little bit... Uh, it feels like maybe your emotions don't get in the way. I like the idea of you just being somewhere and capturing a moment without your opinions there. I mean, your opinions are inherently there because it's your composition, it's your photograph, it's everything. But there's something about that that feels um, really inspiring to me. So yeah, when I was younger, I mean, when I was in even middle school, I had books from like Steve McCurry, who's a big photographer from National Geographic and, 
Paul Nicklin, whether it was people or animals or places, I found that the, the idea of being so moved by something beyond yourself and to want to capture it in the sense of reality felt um, really inspiring to me. So yeah, I love photography. That makes a lot of sense. I think you see that in incarnate in your work, like that idea becomes real on the, on, on the canvas. Did, what did the institution entering the institution of art or that world, what did that do for you, if anything? And how did it maybe take away from, from your inspiration? <laughs> you know, I don't want to say that I, I don't think there are mistakes, but looking back now that it's been a long time and thinking about the decisions I made to study where I did, I think a lot of them um, came from fear uh, and they came mm -hmm. from the opposite of trusting that this was what I was supposed to do. I think I've always known that I am an artist. However, you know, it is that you want to package that up. It's the essence of, I think, how I perceive, experience and express my reality of the world. I am an artist and I've always been that way. I think potentially the problem with institutions, or at least in my experience, is that there's so much ego involved in them. And there's so much of a sense of what is right and wrong in that moment and what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and who's in this club and who's not and who are the cool kids and who aren't the cool kids. And I think it doesn't number when you're in this sort of formative place of your life when you're younger and you're mm -hmm. trying to you're searching for these, you know, big, big questions. And all of a sudden you have all these people around you telling you not to do something. And, you know, if you look back on some of the greatest minds of history, they did a lot when they were in their early twenties, yeah, when yeah. they felt sort of unencumbered by all the weight of all the judgment around them. And they didn't have all these things to take care of. So I do think potentially, you know, there is the downfall of the institution because I think it can stifle the creative mind and just the need to, to try things that haven't been done before. And I think the problem is that there's a, a fear associated with that when you have, you know, you have these, this place telling you this is the right and wrong way to do it. Even if it's an art, I think there's a assumption that as an artist, if you're in an institution, anything goes and you can do whatever because you've decided to pursue art. And it's, it's not that way at all. Uh, someone close to me, my daughter actually went to Cooper Union. And I kept thinking, the idea there will be craft. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to show and teach craft, Te you know, techne. Mm -hmm. It didn't really happen. No, I, I think that it's so much now about concept that there is really not that much craft involved. And in a quick nutshell, I can what tell you, you that. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? So I, I, went to both sides of the pendulum there. I, in the early part, when I was in undergraduate school, I went to a super, super conceptual school. Okay. And so there was zero craft there. And then I ended up getting my master's degree from a school that said that, you know, they had both craft and concept. I would say that they leaned more heavily on the technique side. And I think that they're both problematic for their own reasons. Mm -hmm. I think that just learning technique and, and not questioning why it is, I mean, I think there's really important philosophical questions of why, why are you choosing to use paint versus, you know, something else? And it shouldn't just be because I think it'll make money or I think it's the right thing to do. There should be, you know, these questions. And then on the other side, I think when you're so sort of entrenched in, in the idea of not even philosophy, because it's not philosophy, when you're so, sort of taken by trying to defend yourself 
in your narrative of why it is that you deserve to concept, do what you concept, do. Concept, concept, concept. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's equally problematic. I think maybe that there's this place that, um, you know, people that don't have either side, that they find it their own way. And I think maybe that's a good thing, actually. You're that that's a freaking great answer. It probably came through some hard knocks, though. You probably. Yeah. I mean, I felt super frustrated on both sides of that. And I I what it's I graduated, I don't know, almost 10 years ago and 11 years ago. And I feel now like I'm just I'm finally in this place where I feel like, okay, this is actually my work, you know, and and even the concepts that I think about in my work were you know, I, I don't think I would have known how to talk about them when I was in undergraduate school, but I think I had them. And I think they were sort of pushed under because I wasn't allowed to have them even conceptually. And, you know, then in my undergraduate school, they said, you know, learning how learning the history of art, for example, like I always would say, I want to understand the feet of like, how is it that light works? And it feels really like humbling to look at these great masters and to know that I'm probably never even going to come close to that, but it was the pursuit of knowledge. And that they were like, you know, that's irrelevant. There's no point of learning, trying to learn how light works. And I said, well, it's not just about learning. I felt like this. It's not just learning about how light works and understanding physics, but it's about, you know, this place of of wanting to learn something that feels bigger than you. And I think that that was the part where I felt really frustrated. Hmm. Do you miss France? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you had, Not really. you had, you had enough for France? Um, yeah. Well, I feel like in the same way. So when I was there, I was studying like really old school, like classical atelier, you know, Louvre. Oh, I was really? studying from all the old masters and it was definitely a humbling experience. I mean, I would spend I like- I could see you battling with that. That would be tough. Yeah, just sitting there trying to learn from somebody. But um, yeah, I think it was good. It was a good thing for me to do. But no, I I, I think that the question that I asked myself is what is this recurrent question that as artists, we all ask ourselves and, you know, I love Rembrandt. He's probably one of my favorite painters. And you see these portraits and, I, you know, I ask myself, what makes this timeless? And I think right. when I'm making a portrait, I ask myself the same question. You know, it, I think it goes beyond just a reflection of what's happening, you know, in the economy and politically in that moment. But there's a sense of the human psyche and the, uh, I don't want to say the human condition because I hate that word, but there is a sense of humanity that comes through that is timeless. And I think that's the great part of, you know, learning from the masters is humbling and you see yourself in it, but no, I would never want to do that. again. Well, so, so, you know, me, so many of the ideas you're sharing, there are different words. The old world would use religious terms. I don't like this word religious because it's problematic, you know, Mm-hmm. religion is making meaning and then all religion is when you and I, and then these 10 people all make meaning right in similar ways where we recognize one another going for the highest good and the highest good sort of is like the same thing for us. And then mm-hmm. we call that a religion. And I just hear this person and I, people, we, I know Rachel, I talked to her. You still got to do this fundraiser for us, by the way, what's going on with that? You're, <laughs> I know some artists, as you know. Yeah. You guys are all the same. Pinning you down is like impossible. Like how, what is happening with you cats? Like literally, like I cannot pin you down, but it's okay. I respect that. But 
going back to my point, I don't care what you say, you're wrestling with God. I look at your paintings. I don't, you don't have to call it God. I don't care. I'm not here for that conversation. But man, I don't know an artist that can make anything like um, a deep heartfelt impact with, if they're not wrestling on some level with things divine, eternal, if you don't like those. No, I totally, I totally beauty, agree. Things beautiful. That's funny that you say that, the, the word beauty and that you equate that with uh, God. eternal God or divine. hundred oh, percent. So that's a, it's a really interesting concept. I mean, we don't have to get into this because it's a huge conversation, mm -hmm. but it's a really interesting concept because there is so much of a backlash, I think, with the idea um, in contemporary uh, figurative or whatever kind of art, the idea of beauty being like something you don't necessarily want to be part of. And um, I just think, you know, I actually learned this from you, but I have a really good friend in New York. We talk about ideas like this all the time. He's like a, he's like a philosopher, philosopher. Um, and so he's always throwing out just like you are, but he throws out all these words all the time. But we were talking about you know, beauty and that there's, or the idea of like how many different iterations of beauty, you know, there are and what that means. And that we get so like focused on this one definition, but there's, it's actually so much bigger than that. Like we were talking about love in the same way and that I feel like love is very similar to beauty. And as you taught me, you know, in Greek, love has so many different words. And so it's so interesting that, yeah, I, it's just, it's great to hear that because I completely believe that. Well, well, some of the ancient words, especially from the ancient East and the traditions of the Middle East coming out of the Judaic Christian tradition Love, beauty, truth are the elements of God. Mm -hmm. And so where you see truth, if you flip it, if think of a triangle, if you turn it, a th you know, a 3D triangle, you're going to see, oh, there's truth, there's love, turn it again, and there's um, the beauty. Th mm -hmm. they're, they're inseparable. So now those that jargon's not – so I say the same thing to my daughter about music. When you're doing music, you're trying to enter into the beautiful. Now, why would you do that? Because I want I want to see it. <laughs> I want you to show it to me, and I can't sing that way. So show it to me. And if you actually understand that you're participating as a singer or a painter in, in revealing the beauty, what's a better gift to mankind than that? And that's how I think of artists. That's why I love you guys. On the other hand, some artists can't even understand what I'm saying. You know what I mean? They can't understand. They're like, oh, this isn't about God. And I always think, okay, what language do you want me to use? And I'll do it. But right. it's about something like that. It's about something like that. That's the I way agree. I think of it. I'm way more comfortable doing podcasts like this than I am talking about art. By the way, you notice I can't really do that. <laughs> I don't even no. know how to do it. <laughs> But I, I feel like that is at the root of art is all these questions. And if you're not asking, I feel like this for myself, at least, if I'm not asking myself these questions, how am I supposed to talk about my work? And these questions are actually for me, you know, way more interesting potentially yeah. than talking about technique or my images, because the image is just like you said, it's like the, the top of the onion, but the onion goes all the way to the middle. And, and the onion is these questions. What do you want us to know before we hang up about, about you and art and, what's going on? What should we know? Is there anything? You're not like that. You don't really want to give. Something. I have to say anything to know. I would say maybe my motto that I have for myself beginning this new year is 
um, to keep on asking questions. That's the that's the woman I know right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that is my 2023 motto. It's a good motto, girl. Yeah. Well, you said some things for me that are super takeaways. And, and for me in this in this podcast and our work, this whole notion, right, of representing reality. So let's call reality present. Let's call me a forgetter of it because I want something like my own reality. And then I look again and I see that it's been represented by this artist. I think of a chef as an artist. I think of I think of my daughter playing with blocks when she was five as an artist. She's representing the beauty all the time. If I will stop and look. And you just reminded us of this. So that's a really cool thing to be reminded of. Who loves you? We'll see you again. Thank you we'll for talk. having me. We'll talk fundraising. Thank you for coming on. And guys, be sure to check out uh, Rachel's work. Really, though, really, though, it's it's fantastic. So, okay. Thanks. Next time I watch her, we'll see you. That was Raisha. Raisha Promoter. Check out her work. You can find all of her links to her paintings. I highly recommend you do. She's got a new project called Invisible. That's coming out. Um, and... Check it out. www.first-things.org is what is this podcast is doing. That's what we're about. That's First Things Foundation. We send people to work long-term, overseas, difficult situations, imbibing local culture, learning local language, not colonial language, local language, and then consulting and building capacity for local projects that change people's lives. Think Peace Corps, but with a profound ethic and ethos. That's first things. We'd love you to support us. We're currently looking for field workers for 2023. Check us out. Consider becoming a donor. In fact, do it. Become a monthly donor. Change lives. First Things Foundation, au revoir. Nachfamdis, jusqu'à la prochaine fois. Hasta luego. Peace out.